The U.S. Food and Drug Administration is in process of a massive reorganization designed to streamline operations within a unified human foods program to largely replace the Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition. What does this mean for the dietary supplement industry? In the proposal, now under review at Health and Human Services, the Office of Dietary Supplement Programs will report to a newly created Office of Food Chemical Safety, Dietary Supplements, and Innovation, which FDA said will work to modernize and strengthen oversight of food chemical safety, advanced dietary supplement safety, and enable the Human Foods Program to support and effectively regulate food ingredient innovation. As the agency's first Deputy Commissioner of Human Foods, Jim Jones is a 30-year veteran of the Environmental Protection Agency with a deep background in chemical safety. Jones and his staff met last December with several major trade associations representing the supplements industry, including Lauren Israelson, founder and president of the United Natural Products Alliance. I talked with Lauren recently about FDA's restructuring and how priorities might change under an overhaul human foods program with new leadership. So obviously, Lauren, it's a big lift for FDA to reorganize. Um, I wonder if we could talk briefly about how we got here, why FDA is restructuring. Um, you know, obviously there's the infant formula crisis in 21 and 22. Uh, what are the principal objectives of this proposed reorganization for FDA? This has been a long time coming. The uh, kind of the critical moment was that this infant formula incident that uh, really shook up the White House, the Congress, and then ultimately the blowback at, at FDA. A number of people got fired from the agency. Um, they were very shaken by that. Uh, part of it was because of the apparent miscommunication that had happened in, inside the, the food side of FDA. A lot of finger pointing. Um, why did it take so long? Missed signals, failure to communicate critical information, all this kind of thing. So with that, um, FDA, I think, wisely said, we, we need an outside perspective. And so they turned to, they, they would usually go to, the Reagan-Udall Foundation. This was created as a think tank for FDA. A lot of the leaders leadership of the foundation are former FDA, as well as members of Congress that had an interest in FDA-related issues. You know, other think tanks, uh, with leadership that come in. And the idea is how to make FDA better and to advise from a, from a very knowledgeable perspective. And they they really do. Uh, and this was done quite a long time ago. When you have the name Reagan on it, that begins to give you a sense. This is not a new initiative. Um, so FDA turns to the Reagan-Udall Foundation and said, help us think through how we can reimagine what we now call the human foods program. Uh, personally, I think that was a big upgrade from the former SIFSAN, which was a bit clunky. Uh, and human foods program gets right to the heart of it. Uh, so part of that was a long report from Reagan Udall. Interestingly, FDA told Reagan Udall, don't cover supplements. And, and that remains an open question today is, why did you do that? And we've asked FDA, we asked the commissioner directly, still don't have a satisfying answer. So for whatever reason, we were not included. And that is a great shame because as uh, FDA has taken the Reagan-Udall report, which recommended a lot of changes and things to consider, and FDA said, we're going to do a lot of what you recommend. Mm 
Great. Everybody ought to read the Reagan-Udall report because that's the blueprint of where this is all going. Uh, at the heart of this, that said, so where are we today? Jim Jones comes in um, as the Deputy Commissioner of Human Foods. Uh, uh, my personal impression of him, he's a straight-up guy. Uh, he's he's casual. Uh, he's shirt, no tie, first-name basis, uh, if you choose. And uh, he's very direct, made it really clear that he was here to listen, he was here to learn, uh, but he was also bringing a deep, deep expertise from EPA on chemical safety. That's his thing. And we're going to see that reflected in how FDA addresses food safety. There's going to be a real emphasis on um, chemicals, both in foods, uh, naturally occurring as well as added. So, uh, and we've seen some interesting developments even already in that respect. So uh, a couple of the key questions now, uh, what should the name of this office be? So very recently on January 29, UMPA together with CRN and, and OPA, excuse me, uh, CHPA and OPA, uh, we sent a joint letter to Jim Jones and proposed that they consider changing the name of the new office to the office, it's currently this way, the Office of Food Chemical Safety, Dietary Supplements and Innovation. We've requested the name change to be the Office of Food Ingredient, not Chemical Safety, Dietary Supplements and Innovation. We think there's a really important distinction between ingredients and chemicals. Chemicals have a more pejorative sense to most people. Uh, we think that better describes what they're really interested in. I think the word chemical really comes from Jim Jones' own experience at EPA. They deal with chemicals applied to foods, herbicides, pesticides, mm -hmm. stuff that ends up in the water that you don't want there, heavy metals. So that said, um, go ahead. That was a long, long. Yeah, answer. yeah. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> That's good perspective. Yeah, I, if, if you could speak to the process of who is reviewing it now where we stand and what your expectation is for implementation given the the massive scale of this of this project yeah massive is the right word this is a fundamental overhaul both in terms of structure the structural part uh really does take time timeline uh what jim jones told us he said it will take us through 2024 to really feel like the dust has settled the furniture's in the right place mm -hmm. that will mean a lot of personnel realignments so you, you have uh, a number of offices within the program of human foods, and all of those have to be essentially rethought through um, some staffing changes, reassignment of responsibilities, who reports to who. A big part of that will be the Office of Regulatory Affairs. Many consider, and I agree with this, is that the, the uh, flow of information and the con uh, command control between um, the human foods program, which is the science and the safety part and the regulatory part, the, the, the cops on the beat, basically. Investigations, inspections. That's right. Is, is to take the learnings and operations of ORA and have more direct guidance from um, the technical side of FDA to focus where they ought to be operating. What, what parts of the food supply really require attention and some priority? You always had the unexpected event, uh, and that always gets 
the attention because it's in the headlines and the agency will have to respond. Um, it's going to take them through 2024. Uh, they have been a little, they were quite open in the beginning, our first meetings we had. I now think they're kind of in that um, huddle up, you know, before we start telling people all the things that we're doing and progress reports is to check off with the stakeholders. That will be the commissioner's office, other parts of FDA. I have a feeling that they'll be talking to EPA in terms of some shared resource and relationship that I imagine will be a heightened relationship between the two agencies. Uh, the key stakeholders in Congress have a real interest in this. Uh, and I believe that's where the action will come from is ultimately what Congress um, and the key committees think about the reorg. A key goal is um, congressional appropriations for the new office. Something people uh, must always bear in mind, FDA is two parts, drugs and foods. Make it simple. Drugs are largely funded by user fees. The majority of their budget comes from pharmaceutical companies who pay quite a lot of money to speed up the approval of new drugs for a very good reason. They're under patent. Patent life is ticking off. Everyday lost uh, selling into the market is millions of dollars. It makes sense for them to say to the agency is it's in our interest for you to go faster. We'll pay you to do that. Foods and rely entirely on FDA appropriations. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Congress says we're not going to give you more money. They have no option but to work with these constrained budgets. Many believe, I agree, FDA is underfunded on the food side. Yeah. Um, have you gotten a sense from anybody, the commissioner or others, who about the potential for user fees for dietary supplements or, you know, increased funding, um, which is maybe less of an expectation of, of more money in the budget for, for food. But right. do you have a uh, sense of where, of how we, you know, uh, the possibility of, of user fees? It, it's been gently proposed in the past. Um, the response has usually been screams and the beating of chests. Um, and this is DOA, it will never happen. But it comes back and it keeps coming back because there's really no other option for FDA uh, user fees would, would need, in my judgment, to cover all categories of the human foods program. Dietary supplements, yeah. what are you going to get? I mean, it's pocket change in terms of what the agency needs. And there would be tremendous opposition from our industry if we were the only ones. And there would still be great opposition if it was across the whole spectrum of the human foods program. FDA's got it. They're in a bind. Mm -hmm. Uh, the current Congress has not shown, um, I would say, a strong interest in increasing budgets of most government agencies, FDA among them. Right. This will be a chronic problem. What does it tell us? Self-regulation, doing the job better ourselves, ultimately is what it means. Uh, if we're serving the consumer, buck stops with us. Yeah. Now... You mentioned, you know, the, the the new proposed office that that the Office of Dietary Supplement Programs would be folded into this newly created Office of Food Chemical Safety, Dietary Supplements Innovation, which you proposed food chemical safety might be food ingredient safety, maybe right. more apropos. What's your understanding about resource allocation? You know, I've heard 
Commissioner Califf say that dietary supplements won't lose resources in this new restructuring. Do you believe uh, that? Do you, is it incumbent on industry to hold them accountable to that? Do you have a sense from anybody from, from Jim Jones of, of what resources might look like? We, is, is it fair to not expect more resources? Is it fair to expect the same amount um, in the status quo? What's your sense of, of priorities for FDA when it comes to supplements? in relation to resources? Uh, it's a tough one. Um, my hope is that there, the budgets remain the same for dietary supplements. As you say, the commissioner said that's how it would go down. That said, uh, I think as, as Jim Jones and his team are really looking at the range of things they want to do, some of their programs are pretty ambitious and they're gonna require substantial additional funding it will come down to what is the perceived greatest return on investment? Where are the greatest problems to be solved? What is the best case that FDA can make to Congress to say, we need more money to do this, this, this. They have to be broad stroke uh, types of issues. I would expect FDA to say, we really need to look more closely at the safety of infant and children foods for the obvious reasons. They're the most susceptible to uh, chemical injury, whether it's herbicide, pesticide, heavy metals. Um, there was a really ugly event recently with applesauce that was uh, heavily loaded with lead and cadmium. Mm -hmm. um, that was an eye-opener of just how serious that episode was. Um, I think FD will make the argument we need more resource for foreign inspections of ingredients, not the finished product, but food ingredients and excipients to try and get ahead of this problem that we saw with applesauce that came from South America. Um, is there a lesson to be learned there for is there a lesson to be learned for for industry in terms of, you know, additives or chemicals or heavy metals in products that, you know, considering that there's maybe this more. Uh, you know, at least that Jim Jones has his background in chemical safety that we need to be paying more attention to these things as they might relate to supplements. Clearly, this is a place where we ought to really be smart and knowledgeable. We should all take a look at EPA's, uh, uh, the Chemical Safety Assessment Program. That would be the analogous program that I believe that we would see elements coming over to FDA. Uh, that's a weakness that we need to sort out. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is all authorized under the Toxic Substance Control Act passed by Congress. What the view is that we need to really understand uh, chemical safety. And again, this is why I think Jim Jones brings that language. It, it's, the, it's the term of art that's being used. Although I would prefer food ingredient safety. I don't, I would be thrilled if we got that. Um, but they're well aware of our views on it. Um, yeah, chemical safety is going to be the name of the game here. The transition is, I feel it, that we were in a process mode with the Food Safety Modernization Act. There was a lot to be done in terms of food safety plans, assess, assessing critical control points, uh, PCQI training, these kinds of things. So that process is now in place pretty much, whether companies are fully complied We'll see. I think that's different throughout the industry, certainly our industry. Uh, the new focus 
will be directly on what is in the food, what is put on the food um, that would make it unsafe. It's a different focus, really. Um, they're taking on a massive task. Is There are thousands of approved herbicides, pesticides. Uh, there's a lot of heavy metals on this planet, some of which get into our foods, and there's a lot of other stuff that people are rightly concerned about. Uh, this is no small task. I wonder if you think FDA feels pressure from states in California, for example, the past bills that um, ban certain food additives. Um, do you think there's pressure in relation to this this issue of chemical safety, you know, as it relates to the food additives, which seem like they fall under this category that supplements are also in? Very, very much so. Um, I, I, I will quote from a February 9 uh, interview that uh, Jim Jones gave, and this is, a, I think, almost a direct quote. Uh, Jones said he wants FDA to be doing enough on food chemical safety that states no longer feel they need to jump into the space. FDA deeply believes they're the arbiter of safety for the nation. And as states step in, as we have seen in California, uh, there's new uh, developing legislation in Illinois on titanium dioxide. We expect some other states will continue to, to be doing that. This is a, a real potential issue for us as an industry. Uh, if we get in, if we see states beginning to jump in and say it's a criticism of FDA, you're not doing enough, so we will. These rules will be different than FDA's rules. What do we do uh, as an industry? Uh, now we have compliance rules in five different states. Yeah. It, it's not a good procedural way to do it, I would agree. At the same time, we would all say to FDA, well, then you need to get with it then. If the states feel compelled to do this or, your, or citizen petitions are filed asking you to take action against excipients, in particular, food additives, uh, the agency's feeling a lot of pressure here. Um, Jim Jones is, is going to have to deliver, I think, some fairly substantive um, direction that we can look to, tying that to timelines and deadlines and metrics of what success looks like. Um, for our industry, there are real implications here. We need to go back and on the analytical side, take a deeper look at that fundamental food safety as FDA is now defining it, which means, I'll use the word, chemical safety. We would be advised to really pay attention to um, adulterants, contaminants that would appear in natural products in particular, and to be vigilant about holding uh, tight standards around those products. I think ADT's um, BAP program is, is a good model to look at. And certainly as you're working with third-party analytical labs is to have an agreement or understanding of uh, what the budgets should look like for enhanced chemical testing uh, in our own products. Sure. Which ties to that self-regulatory matter in an, in an underfunded government agency and oversight. Right. Um, <clears throat> I do want to note that, that, you know, it is almost 30 years since Deshay passed this year. Um, which obviously define dietary supplements as its own category of food. 
you know, as opposed to the food additives and drugs. So now that again, where supplements are grouped with chemicals or food ingredients, um, you know, what do you, how do you reflect on that? What are the potential implications for industry or consumer perception? Well, the Shea is the law of the land. What FDA is now doing is a regulatory function. The statute always is superior to, to regulation. Comfort in that, that the statutory definition of dietary ingredient and supplement won't change, uh, at least through this FDA exercise. You make a really good point, though, uh, that Deshay at 30 is a, a moment to pause this year and celebrate the moment, but we should spend the majority of our time really looking at where do we go now? So much has changed in the world around us, um, especially with technology. The uh, introduction of, <clears throat> excuse me, new biology, synthetic biology, AI, just to begin, just a few names. Um, Deshay was built in a different time to address a very specific set of problems at that time. Part of, I think, of the, the underlying genius of, of Deshay was it was built on a framework of existing law in the Proxmire Amendment, Food Drug Cosmetic Act, with the view welded on to the existing infrastructure that is not going to change, and that served us really well. Um, as you know, there's been a lot of talk about what we respectively call the Shea modernization, the Shea 2.0. Um, that is a very useful process to think through what would be improvements or changes that would um, help bring the Shea into a contemporary uh, environment. That's also true of food additive approvals, which are twice as old as, as the Shea. And the science has changed so dramatically from when food additives were originally approved. Detection levels were much, much um, lower. Uh, we're entering a new world where it's called the race to zero. Is You can literally find anything and anything. If you look hard, we have to decide what's the limit, what's okay. Uh, and if our expectations get too high about we want complete chemical-free foods, then you won't eat because foods are basically a bunch of chemicals by various names. And people, again, don't like the term, but we have to understand what's realistic and what's possible for ourselves and the regulator. And that, I think, maybe points to the the need to have a credible, effective regulator in FDA that... Uh, it's it benefits everybody at the FDA to be successful and credible to the point where they can establish those limits and people believe in them and trust them, right? Without that, it's sort of a free-for-all where states suggest certain, you know, the like you said, the race to zero, which is a real challenge. You raised the the most important word of of our interview here, trust. What the agency is most profoundly concerned about is a loss of trust among the cons the public. And the commissioner has spoken very openly about this. Um, as he said, is influencers, media, social media, uh, the states have all jumped in to do FDA's job, along with judges that override FDA's scientific opinions. And this deeply disturbs FDA. Um, this is not something that they're traditionally used to happening. And 
I think we can look at the changes on the human food program as a clear reflection of the agency's uh, deep desire to regain the public's trust. And so this is a very critical moment. Um, if this goes well, and Mr. Jones, um, who needs a lot of help and our support, if he can really demonstrate the agency has um, a clear sense of leadership that protects the food supply, that'll go a long way. Yeah, I wonder if you could uh, reflect maybe on industry's relationship with FDA. You know, in I think in your your meeting with Jim Jones in December, along with other trade groups, um, there was a suggestion that the trade associations and FDA representatives meet more regularly. It's good. Uh, we've seen uh, a very open door policy. Um, we have had one joint trade association uh, meeting with Mr. Jones and his senior staff. That was that was very helpful. We're looking at a cadence of four times a year to have these uh, joint discussions where we'll be listening for an update from FDA. We'll be sharing some of our perspectives uh, just to help them better understand how we see various parts of the the evolution of the human foods program. Uh, but he has made a point of saying transparency, openness, listening is going to be a hallmark of, of his time at FDA. So far, he's doing that. Congress has only been able to to pass stopgap funding bills so far. What might the implications be for FDA or other agencies if there's a partial or full government shutdown? It, it wouldn't help. Sure. <laughs> It's, uh, well, as we see every time this happens, when it happens, that a, a lot of FDA staff are furloughed. They're not allowed to go into the office. They can't do work. Um, things just really go into slow motion. That would be exceptionally unfortunate if there were a, a shutdown or a unwillingness to fund the agency at this moment in time when they've they've said we need to to take some urgent action to address the needs of, of today's marketplace. I truly hope that Congress has the wisdom to appropriate the money to protect human health in this country. Uh, I don't expect to see much happen this year on any front, given the politics at play. Mm -hmm. So that's probably our greatest concern is I think FDA genuinely wants to change, meet the needs of the public, the food side of FDA is dependent on, F on, on Congress to help them do that. Uh, if Congress can't or won't, uh, it, will, it will handicap FDA's ability to meet their objectives, which I fully support here. Lauren, uh, thank you so much for your time and perspective. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you, Sean.